Hello, and welcome to Michael's Record Collection, episode number 20. In this episode, I'm talking to Quiet Riot guitarist Alex Grossi. Alex and Dizzy Reed, the keyboard player from Guns N' Roses, have been part of a side project since 2003 called Hookers and Blow. Yeah, I'm not making that up. That's the name of the band, Hookers and Blow. Anyway, Hookers and Blow are about to release their debut album. That's right, a self-titled debut album. And it consists of a dozen cover songs of mostly classic rock from the 70s, but there are a couple of 80s songs in there, a 60s song, and a couple of uh, nifty little surprises in there as well. Two of the tracks, both Led Zeppelin covers, actually have the late, great Frankie Benali from Quiet Riot, the drummer, uh, on those tracks. He's, uh, of course, no longer with us, but he leaves behind a fantastic legacy of music including a couple of great performances on this album. So I wanted to talk to Alex a little bit about Hookers and Blow, uh, the reason behind some of the songs that were chosen, some of the inside information on the making of the album, and a little bit about Alex himself and his background. So Alex was very gracious with his time. I really appreciated that. He was great to talk to, a lot of fun to interview, and I appreciate it. I think you're going to like this album, even if you're not into cover songs. I think that they did a good job with these songs. They're close enough to the originals where you can enjoy them, but yet different enough that they will hold your interest if you're not interested in just like a, a, a pure copycat type of thing. So anyway, here is my interview with Alex Grossi, and I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Welcome to Michael's Record Collection. I'm very excited to have with me for this episode Alex Grossi uh, from from Quiet Riot, but also a, a new band with a, a new self-titled album coming out called Hookers and Blow. Alex, thanks so much for being with me. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. So this album, uh, self-titled Hookers and Blow album, comes out Friday, July 23rd on Golden Robot Records. Uh, you guys started this, uh, is this correct? You started this in 2003, you and, and Dizzy Reed from Guns N' Roses, as an excuse to drink for free in Hollywood? Basically, yeah, I had met Dizzy um, at a place called the Cat Club, which you, it's no longer there. It used to be next door to the Whiskey A Go Go on, on the Sunset Strip there. Mm -hmm. And um, I was obviously a big GNR fan. And I, I, I approached him. I said, hey, we should do some shows together. You know, we, we hit it off musically. And uh, if for nothing else, to come down here and drink for free a couple more nights a week. <laughs> and uh, he goes, yeah, um, can we call it Hookers and Blow? I go, yeah, I think we could do that. <laughs> and so I booked us. A, a, our first tour was like New York, Boston, New Hampshire, back where I'm from. I'm from back east. Mm -hmm. And it just sort of people showed up out of nowhere. I mean, it was crazy right off the bat. The name, with the, especially with the, the GNR Association. And it just immediately became like this. We were like this the ultimate party band. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. How have people uh, responded to the name that Dizzy came up with? Well, most of the time it's cool. As things have gotten more uh, politically correct in the past 15 years, we've had more trouble with it. But uh -huh. we, we own the trademark on it. And there's been a few times where I've gotten phone calls from the promoters saying, listen, our corporate sponsors are about to pull off the show because they will not put you know, the Coors Light logo next to the Hookers and Blow logo. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, then take our logo off. But we have a 45-foot tour bus that says Hookers and Blow on it, and that's to be parked <laughs> in front of the Coors sign. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's that's why part, part of rock and roll to me has always been about being a little dangerous, pushing the envelope a bit. Mm -hmm. And even though we're just a cover band, it 
it it's fun to have to have that sort of reckless abandon, zero fucks given about things. Because with Quiet Riot, it's all business. With Guns N' Roses, it's all business. Hookers and Blows sort of like our little camping trip to get away from it and just have fun, you know? Yeah. So talk to me about the the decision to be a covers band. You guys knew you wanted to work together. Why covers? Well, I we actually did work together on Disney's solo record of all original mm-hmm. material. And he played on, uh, I, was, I was in a band called Beautiful Creatures. He played on that record. So we have written together, but with Hookers and Blow, we said we, we were never going to write a song. We actually vowed ever to make a record, but we broke that vow. But <laughs> it's just because we just were, we were, you know, part, getting hired for frat parties, colleges and, you know, private events. People want to hear what they know, you know? So yeah. we get a, got a pretty eclectic mix of songs together and uh, it just seemed to work, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you were on guitars. We got Dizzy Reed on keyboards. Uh, tell me about the other members of the band currently. I know I know it's gone through some different incarnations over the years. Yeah, we've had a lot of different bass players and drummers, but the solid lineup now is Mike Duda on bass from the band Wasp mm-hmm. and Johnny Kelly on drums from the band Typo Negative. Um, and Dizzy's wife, Nadja, has joined on as background vocals as well. So it's kind of become a family affair. Yeah. And, and she also uh, t- kind of comes to the forefront in one of your covers on this album, uh, which is, an, it's an interesting group of songs. Most of this is classic rock, Zeppelin, Stones, um, Blue Oyster Cult. And then there's two that, that kind of stand out. There's a, a Body Count song on this and <laughs> yeah. a Beastie Boys song on this. Um, how did you guys sort of, I know you guys have played more than 12 songs over the years. How did you narrow it down to these particular 12 songs? Uh, well, the body count song we never played live. We learned that in the studio, but we just figured it's the song. It's it's a it's an amazing song, and it's just so out of left field. I mean, it's a ballad about smoking crack, which you you know you gotta love that. <laughs> um, and the Beastie Boys song we used to play live, and we were recording it in the studio, and you really can't recreate what the, the male voices did in that song properly. It was, it was such a moment in time. But then Nadja went in and took a stab at it, and it's it's got a thing now with it, with her little voice on top of it, you know. Uh huh. Yeah, that's uh, I noticed that the first thing when I saw the track list, I thought that's a bold uh, decision to try to yeah. try to emulate what those guys did vocally on that song. You uh, it's, you don't, you don't realize how signature that that that's the way they phrased everything was, you know. Mm-hmm. Like even. Uh, they turn the song, the the word "where" into a two-syllable word in that in that Way, song. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's really great. Uh, so, were there songs that were considered that you that that got bumped that didn't make the the final list? Um, yeah, there's a couple we haven't quite finished yet. Um, probably save for the next one. I mean, we have there's certain songs that work great live and and don't work in the studio and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And we had to find that out, you know, by trial and error in the studio. You know, we do a great version of Sympathy for the Devil, but then again, GNR already covered that. So, um, you know, we it's 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 been, you know, kind of like the trial and error. Uh, a lot of the songs that didn't make the cut, no a lot of songs that didn't make the cut were simply because they just, you know, we record, we heard YouTube was us playing them live, and it worked at a club where everyone was drunk and everything, but yeah. didn't translate the tape, you know? <clears throat> Tell me about your approach to 
uh, cover songs because you know there's one school of thought that you should only you should you should remain true to the original and and pay homage to it and and respect it. Another school of thought says put your own stamp on it, do something different with it. And you guys have kind of done a little bit of both on this album. There's a happy I think there's a happy medium there, you know. <clears throat> I mean, if you try to do it too much like the band, then you're just doing a sound alike. If mm -hmm. you're trying to make it, you know, so abstract from the other, you know, sometimes that works, you know, I mean, but it's just there's a fine line. It also depends on, you know, what you can deliver musically and what the song was to begin with. I mean, you know, the body count cover is definitely a little different than the original. Mm -hmm. um, our version of Under My Thumb is definitely a, very different from the original. You know, one, one, one thing I want to do on the next record is, is cover Freebird. And I'm talking the entire thing. <laughs> like note for note, all the guitar overdubs. Because we play it, we actually play it live. Because there's always some asshole in the crowd that goes, play Freebird. And it's like, really? Guess what? You're getting Freebird. <laughs> All nine minutes of it, dude. Yeah. Get ready. So I'd, Settle like, I'd in. Like, to, like to document that. Yeah, that's great. So you start this off uh, with the Rolling Stones. You got a couple Stone songs. Uh, Rocks Off is uh, the first track, and you guys did a video for that one. Yes. And uh, you, you talked about Under My Thumb, uh, which has a little bit of uh, let's spend the night together at the end of that. Yeah. I really liked the Under My Thumb cover. It's, uh, you know, I think Stone songs are make for great covers because the one thing, the dirty little secret in my mind is that Mick gets by with attitude, confidence, and conviction. He's not a great singer. No, no. It's all about the way he sells it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think you guys do a tremendous job with it, and and you really ride that song uh, really well. I like what you did in the second track, "Shaken," which is an Eddie Money song. You didn't do a lot of stuff from the '80s, but this one's out of the '80s, and I, I liked your little uh, spoken word part in that one. Mr. Grossi, do you have anything to say in your defense? Thank you, Your Honor.
yeah, the, the funny story is I was supposed to sing that part and I didn't realize how, A, how bad of a singer I really am <laughs> in the studio and B, how hard Eddie Money is to emulate. So I was like, what we could do like a little scenario where I'm going to court for getting busted with the hooker. And I did all the voices. I did Mr. Gross, you know, did the gavel and everything. Yeah. And kind of, and it worked, it, you know, and it's something Eddie Money had a great sense of humor. And I'm really sad. He, he knew we were covering it, but he, he didn't get to hear the final version, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But uh, he would have totally loved it. So it's a good little tribute to him. Yeah. You guys went into the studio to start working on this in 2019. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. And that kind of plays into the, the third track is that uh, there, there are two Zeppelin tracks on here, Trampled Underfoot and No Quarter. And the special thing about these is that Frankie Benali, the, the late great drummer from Quiet Riot, played on these. Uh, my notes on Trampled Underfoot says, sounds like the most fun song you guys had, um, you know, recording yeah. and playing. Yeah, and, and the, the 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 thing about those two tracks is he recorded those songs way deep into his chemo treatments. He was probably about 130 pounds, uh, liquid diet, a tube sticking out of him, and he went in and knocked him out in one take like a 25-year-old kid. You never gonna, know the trick. I was going to ask you, is this are, are these the last songs or among the last songs that he ever recorded? Or I mean, he, he was always recording music. Um, I would say they're definitely the last... Zeppelin covers that he recorded. I mean, he he recorded them. Uh, you know, it's a good question. I, I don't. I think I'm sure, I'm sure there's other stuff he recorded, but he definitely made it a point to in between chemo treatments to get in with hookers and blow. And you know, it, the irony is I wasn't there. I was out playing a quiet riot show with a fill-in drummer, and he was back in L.A. recording hookers and blow with Dizzy. Yeah, so it was pretty. You know. It's ironic. Uh, you weren't in the Very same ironic, place at the yeah. same time. Uh, but at least he got to sort of channel his inner John Bonham, you know, on this. And he yeah, he, and he, he really nailed it. I mean, that's hmm. you listen to No Quarter, it gives me chills, you know. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable that, you know, that he was sick um, playing that because yeah. you would you would never know it. He, it. It's great that you guys were able to you know, have a document of, of his performances and, and that it will last forever. So, um, so that's a, a really special thing about the album. You guys did a, a great cover of, of Ziggy Stardust by Bowie, then the body count song, the winner loses. And then I think the only 60s song here is the zombies time of the season. I um, believe you're correct. Yeah. Why, why that particular song? That was one of the first songs we ever played live uh, as a band and Dizzy would come out front and play acoustic on it and not play any keyboards, the irony being this whole song's a keyboard solo. And um, when it came time to record it, we brought it back in, but I'm like, dude, you gotta go off on the keyboards on this thing, you know? And and uh, and then Nod just sings a lot of that one too, and it works, It's it's it came out great, you know? 
Petty, speaking of, of unique voices, you guys covered Tom Petty's American Girl and an interesting little uh, tweak with the with the chorus, it comes off as American Girl. It sounds like it. It sounds. It sounds intentional. I gotta say, it wasn't intent. That maybe, well, maybe it was. I don't know. I wasn't there for that session. <laughs> I did my guitar parts virtually because <clears throat> during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, that's another one we always played live. People loved it live, and it, I think we captured for the most part the way we do it live. You know. Yep. Then you go into Godzilla. Uh, always fun, and I you have um, a little bit. Uh, of your own flavor at the beginning of the song, especially. Yeah, Disney did his, his keyboard loop thing. We had, um, there's these, these Japanese sisters out in LA. They're named the Okai, they're called the Okai sisters. One of them is a bass player for Limp Bizkit right now. They're phenomenal players and they came in and did the guitar and bass on it. I did the rhythm tracks, but they did the solos and everything. And mm-hmm. if you listen to the breakdown where these kids screaming in Japanese with the sirens, that's the, one of the girls yelling into the microphone. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, that's probably that... my favorite track in the record and i barely played on it <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why you didn't, you didn't yeah, have, yeah. have quite as much invested in it um then you go into uh you gotta fight for your right to party uh we talked about that under my thumb with a, a little let's spend the night together Then no quarter, and I I think, again, it's you know it's so easy to do a cover of a classic, well-known, iconic song like No Quarter, and totally screw it up. But you guys oh, really yeah, heard so many shitty versions of it. You have no idea. Yeah, you you guys really nailed it and put your own spin on it in a way that is I think respectful to the original and yet brings something fresh to the table. Yeah, I went I went back and learned the live version to get all the chord voicings right, and then when Frankie played it 
a lot heavier than the original. And and then Dizzy had all a lot, you know, a lot more keyboard stuff to add. That's just me, Dizzy, and Frankie. There's no bass on that. That's all keyboard, John Paul Jones bass. Mm-hmm. And just the groove, the, the the drum groove underneath the guitar solo alone makes a song to me. It's just so in the pocket, so mm-hmm. Frankie, you know. Exactly. Yeah. It's again. This is like if if I ever hear another song that Frankie did after this, this certainly is a great way for him to have, have said farewell because it's it's a really um, a masterful job by him. Yeah, he he yeah he he was like I know he was in a lot of pain, and, but you know what he came in and I got the tracks the next day when I got home from the choir riot gig and I was like wow, you never know the guy was in the condition he was in and and the, and that the same same that goes true for our last show we we ever played together was uh, uh, December thirtieth twenty nineteen was our last show uh, we had others booked but the COVID canceled those and. Yeah. I swear to God, I turned around looking at him playing and you could tell he was, you know, he was in pain. But when you're listening, it sounds like the record. I mean, it's like the guy can't play bad. It was amazing. So you close with Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. Um, Again, another voice that's not easy to to emulate, uh, but I think another good job of of interpreting the original material here. Yeah, that was that was recorded years ago. That's actually Les Warner from the cult on drums. Like mm-hmm. love removal, love removal machine era, you know, uh, cult, and he really got the right groove for it. And um, yeah, that was that was actually the catalyst for doing this cold cover record because we figured we could actually pull it off. If we did that one song. Friday, man. Poor Friday. So, whose idea at the end was that about uh, the little bit about Fridays? No, not getting any, uh, not getting any love. That's it. That's just all dizzy read humor right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and the other thing too is you guys said you weren't going to do any writing, but you had to kind of rework one of the verses uh, for the Beastie Boys song because you had to work hookers and blow in place of the Beastie Boys. 
I yeah, but I wouldn't exactly call that going on a creative going out on a creative limb. I mean that 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 wasn't yeah, that's not exactly Bohemian Rhapsody, but yeah, no, we had to do it because a lot, when we play it live, we do that. And I'm like, yeah. well, I guess we're doing it this way, you know. How many iterations of of that line did you go through before you found the one that worked best? The uh, about your friends oh, got to go. <laughs> that was that, one take. It came yeah. right, right out. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, so you guys did uh, again. You guys have been around since two thousand three. You did two uh, consecutive residencies at the Whiskey A Go Go in uh, Hollywood in twenty thirteen. That's ten years after you started doing this. Yep. You toured in twenty eighteen extensively, and then you go in the the you go in twenty nineteen to start to, uh, recording this. How long did the thing take? Because you you talked about having to do some parts at home uh socially distanced and all that yeah it took it took a longer than we thought because and, and it was and the release took longer because with covid and everything all the manufacturers shut down the factories for cds and vinyl so everything got bumped you know mm -hmm. which actually worked to our advantage because we had more time because all, all of our shows got canceled so we're all sitting home and we really got to go over everything with a fine-tooth comb so you know, we probably wouldn't have had that time between Quiet Riot and Guns N' Roses and everybody touring to do that. And because of the pandemic and stuck in front of your computer with a guitar in your hand, you can try 20 solos, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So was it you guys' idea or Golden Robots to go ahead and do it vinyl, CD, and digitally? Oh, it was, that was a deal from day one because people, yeah. vinyl sells great. And if, if you flip, I don't want to give too much away, but if you flip over the vinyl record itself, it's just a mirror. You know, it, it fits with the name Hookers and Blow. <laughs> um, I, that was a, that was a, that was I that was our idea. Um, we wanted to make something cool and collectible, and and uh, you know, there's a big market for vinyl. I mean, to say it ain't cheap to do. I yeah, mean, that's for sure. And there's a lot of. Uh... A lot of backups, a lot of, uh, you know, production issues because there's so much demand right now for vinyl and they can't keep it in stock. I know there's, I've been trying to, I've been trying to buy Kiss Alive on vinyl and it keeps going out of stock and they keep having to repress it. A lot of it's because of the pandemic because yeah. they've got a lot of the factories that make vinyl. I've been, they cut their staff way down. Yeah. Like I, we, we were supposed to have this thing out in May and because of the, the factories being, you know, scale back we had to wait will there be a tour to support this album i wouldn't say the proper tour whenever we have time we do shows we have a couple mm. in december right now and we do want to do a proper record release party um but again between guns and roses doing their massive tour this fall and and quiet right working all the time it's it's really up to whenever we can do it and it's that usually happens maybe once a year we can do a cluster of shows Assuming you guys are going to be clustering on the, the West Coast primarily where you guys are? Uh, no, we'll, we, we have some stuff on the East Coast planned as well. Uh, a couple in Pennsylvania, Jersey. I mean, I have all the offers in front of me. just got to fit them in somewhere. Um, up, upstate New York. I mean, we've, we've played pretty much everywhere. We even, went, we even took this band to Peru. Can you imagine how that went? <laughs> Oh, I wonder how that translates. <laughs> it was, let me tell you, we're lucky we made it out of there. <laughs> I want to ask you a little bit about um, your relationship with music. Do you remember your first favorite song? 
my first favorite song was probably, I think when I was like a little, little kid, uh, Man Eater by Holland Oates. It's the only record oh, yeah. that was not, that I had. And then, and then Living in America by James Brown, because, because Rocky Four. Yeah. Like, and then I got into Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Girls, and that was it. What was your first record purchase? Or maybe it was a CD. I don't even know. <laughs> uh, it was a cassette. My first cassette was, I bought two. I had Appetite for Destruction and Girls, Girls, Girls by Molly Crew. Okay. Okay. What was the last album you listened to start to finish? My own. Yeah. <laughs> this one. Um, yeah, no, I really haven't. You know, it's. It's hard to listen to records start to finish now because it's, you, unless you buy the CD or, or download the whole thing, it's, mm -hmm. it's all scattered around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, probably this one. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a digital listener when you when you do listen to music? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, I have all of our records on vinyl that we've done over the years, but I don't even have a record player. Yeah, they're all framed I, on the wall. <laughs> I'm finding a lot of the artists that I interview. They just listen to digital because of the convenience of it. They just they the don't, convenience, yeah, yeah. Especially when you're traveling a lot, you know. Yeah. If you're, I honestly, I, I put on a vinyl and I put on. I don't really hear much of a difference. I don't know what I mean, because a lot of times you're listening to it a different way as a musician than as a audio, you know, connoisseur. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. um, but and also, you know, with vinyl, you have to have the right everything, right speakers, the right preamp, power amp. With digital, it's like I can plop these little earbuds in, learn the songs, next in and out, you know. <laughs> yeah. Where were you the kid on your block where everybody went to the house your, your house to listen to new um new music? I know like in my neighborhood, I would buy the records and people would come over to my house. Yeah, I was definitely well my, my parents were both music my, my dad was a musician, my mom uh was it was a dance instructor, um, choreographer. So it was a very artistic family. So there's always music in the house and yeah, I was the one who would go to Sam Goody at midnight to get Use Your Illusion before anybody else. And then I, you know, we'd all dub it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and we had a basement with a, with a guitar, guitar rigs and a drum set set up. So we'd always jam it, you know. What was your first concert that you went to? My first concert that I ever went to? Well, I went to the Emerson Lake and Powell against oh, my yeah. will. Okay. I, my dad made me go. I, I didn't like it. No. Um, no, and bought bottom open. Uh, right. Jason Bottom's band, they were cool, but I didn't understand. I didn't get the Emerson Lake and Palmer Powell. Powell, yeah. Um, my first concert that I went to that I wanted to see was Poison and Slaughter on the Flesh and Blood tour. Okay, now, like I know from my past, and I know from talking to other people, a lot of people kind of glom on to some of the things their parents were into, but not all of it, because it's not cool to, to be into everything yeah. your parents were into. But some stuff kind of seeps through. Was there anything like that that your parents listened to that you still kind of enjoy today? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, I, I my, my dad was a big jazz guy, and I don't, you know, I can't count. I, if, if, it's not, if it's not in four, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, that, I'm, I, I don't, I can't process it. Um, my mom, because she she ran a dance school, would always do her dance recitals, and it would be an eclectic mix of like Michael Jackson and then Paula Abdul, and then she'd do a Metallica song. So I would, you know, I got more into the pop stuff and the more songwriting end of things by listening to what she was teaching kids to dance, you know, what the kids wanted to dance to. So yeah, 
I was more I was more real well rounded than your typical metalhead, you know. Got it. In high school. What, how old were you when you started playing guitar? I was about fourteen or fifteen, and just never looked back. That was it. Barely, I barely attended high school. Got a you know barely got my diploma, but I got a scholarship to Berkeley College of Music up in Boston, mm-hmm. and I went there for about two or three months till I realized that if you really want to be a rock star, you're not going to learn how to do it in a classroom. So I went on auditions and found a band that was on the brink of signing a deal and going on tour and took the gig. Were you at an early age, were you the student that would do all this stuff your instructor said, do all the scales, or did you just want to go right into that, that solo that you heard on that Guns N' Roses album or whatever? Oh no, I, 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 what I actually, I took, I used to take lessons. I used to take two hour, two, two hour lessons a week. And because I was really into it and I wanted to learn the solo, but I wanted to learn why the solo was the solo, like mm-hmm. what scale he was using so I could make up my own solo like that. Yeah. You know, and it was then eventually I started teaching after that and I tried to apply that to my students. Like they'd want to learn a Green Day riff and I would show them, okay, well, the reason this, this chord progression is what it is, is because it's moving from this degree of the scale to this. And, you know, I find it easier to teach and to learn if you're learning with content that you're interested in already and aware of mm-hmm. like if you bust out some old folk song they teach a kid a g chord the g chord is the same whether it's in a green day song or it's whether it's in kubaya so yeah you know well it's interesting to me that you're you were even at an early age you were you were already thinking two steps ahead and and not just trying to rush to that end product yeah, no, I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to learn because it's the way I was brought up. It's like, if you're going to do it, do it right. You know, yeah. like, you know, my, and my, and, uh, you know, I, I started on piano and a piano teacher would come over every week and nope, do it again, do it again, do it again. And it was, it wasn't a hobby in my house. It was, <laughs> it's all we did, you know. Tell me about the band Angry Salad. That was the band I dropped out of Berkeley to, to join. They were they were the new hot thing in the late '90s in Boston. They were they were more of a pop rock, Goo Goo Dolls, Collective Soul, Sugar Ray thing, which was mm-hmm. what was going on at the time. And I mean, I mean, I've always been a rocker at heart, but I figured if I want to, you know, sign a deal with Atlantic and do do it right, get my foot in the door, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. And those guys were my college education, if you will, because they toured 250 shows a year. And they were all brown graduates. So they're really smart guys that wanted to be rock stars. And they got this kid who barely got through high school, but, you know, was living and living and breathing it. And uh, it worked. You know, we uh, we made some great music together. And uh, it's, it was definitely, if it weren't for them, I would not be here right now, for sure. I have to say Angry Salad is one of the best band names I've ever heard. Well, well, <laughs> as, as legend has it, Freddie Mercury named the band. That's okay. yeah. That's uh, according to our lead singer. When he was a kid, he met Freddie Mercury in a bar in the Virgin Islands on vacation with his family, and said, "I'm a huge fan. I want to start a band one day." And Freddie was all drunk and said, "Call it Angry Salad," and he did. <laughs> that's a great story. Whether it's true or not, that's a great story. Well, I don't think uh, I. I mean, I don't see why. I mean, why? Why wouldn't it be true? It sounds perfectly, yeah. like you know, I don't know. It's plausible. It sounds plausible. Well, it's on, it's, it's on the internet forever now. And as we, t- we, we told a, when we signed to Atlantic, we told Ahmed Erdogan that story. He bought it and put it in a press release. And 
That's great. You know, you know. Um, what what were the big lessons that you learned from that? Uh, you know, touring with with Angry Salad and, and and being on the road for the first time. Just be able to deal with things as they arise. There's always going to be problems. There's going to be cancellations. You're going to get snowed in, or a flight's going to get canceled. Just learn how to roll with it. Don't let it. Don't get a thick skin. You know, because you're going to do, you know, like when you're 19 years old, you do a show and then you pick up the paper the next morning and they're ripping you apart in the paper, the review. You got to get thick skin real quick, you know. Yeah. Um, and just, just, you got to, you got to literally have nothing else to fall back on if you really want to do it, you know, which I did. <laughs> Still don't. So Hookers and Blow comes out. On Friday, on Golden Robot Records, we've mentioned vinyl, CD, digital, all the, the well, usual yeah, places. You can pre-order pre everything on Friday. You can download the digital Friday. And then I think the mm -hmm. actual physical is August 10th or 13th or something like that. So when you'll have it in your hand when yeah. to get delivered. So. What else do you have going on? I know you're you're a busy guy. You're, you're in multiple things that you're doing. What else do you have on the horizon? I mean, mainly just working with Quiet Riot, you know, we're, we're ramping back up. It's been a crazy couple of years for us. And, uh, you know, we played last weekend, playing next weekend, which, you know, we're booked. It's all, it's, and it's, uh, it's solid booking. So just a lot of prep for that and uh, working on some new music with, with Quiet Riot as well, which actually, which Frankie left behind a couple albums worth of drum tracks. Oh, wow. So he's, he ain't going anywhere. He's still with us. That's really great to hear, actually. Yeah. Um, how good is it for you to be on a stage again after what we've been through in the last year and a half? Oh, the, the first few shows, I, it, I was winded. I was like, we're so out of shape, you know. Um, but it was it was great. I mean, the first show we did back, place went. I mean, we went we went we launched into "Come On, Feel the Noise," and the place went ballistic. Masks were coming off. They were pushing security. You know, and it, it just goes to show that people, even though they were told to lock down and be afraid and this and that, they wanted to party, you know. Yeah. People people were ready. Um, hopefully, we don't go back into another one. I don't know I, what's going on, but I know California just went back to all masks again, you know, mandate. But mm -hmm. hopefully, if everyone just does their job by staying away from each other to the, as much as they can and getting the vaccine or whatever whatever they got to do i mean i i just want to go back to work and have some sort of sort of semblance of normalcy you know yeah i hear you i think this was a an interesting uh day in terms of, of setting up this interview with you i requested it today it happened today and on my way home from my real job uh i start the car and metal health was the first song that was playing on the radio it was meant to be see i'm, yeah. I'm leaving for uh my, my wife and i are going up to up camp in the next couple of days and i said can we do it today because i don't i don't want to risk it out in the woods you know yeah yeah so, i do great. i do fill out some interviews up there hopefully there's service but uh, i said dude we could do it today i'm here <laughs> alex grossi from quiet riot and hookers and blow i I appreciate your time so much, and I really hope that this does well for you. It's a it's a fun album. It's I know people. Some people don't aren't big on covers. Other people are fine with them. I can tell you that these are songs that sound good. They are. I think that they're they're respectful of their originals, but yet they bring a little something new to the table. I think everybody will enjoy them. 
I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it too. And I appreciate you saying that. I mean, you know, we, we put a, we put our heart, you know, a lot of blood, sweat and tears on this thing, because I mean, the budget we had to make it with what we personally ended up spending, we went way out of pocket, but we want, we wanted it to be really good. You know, there's so many of these records that come out on certain labels nowadays that we're just throwing together for eight grand or whatever. And they sound like, I'd rather leave something behind and leave something out there that's going to be around forever that people are going to listen to and go, wow, that sounds great. You might not even know who we are or like us, or whatever, but you can't deny it's a quality product. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it, it is. And I, and I, you know, I think it'll do well and I, I really appreciate your time and, and, you know, best of luck to you. Thank you, sir. Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like what you hear, you can support the show through our Patreon at patreon.com slash Michael's Record Collection. For the free newsletter version, go to substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.